Episode 21. We're so old. We've been doing this so long. Ah, uh, God, it feels like uh, yesterday we just started off. Green light pod. Coming up, we got uh, head coaching press conferences in the NFL. That's all that matters, right? Might as well hand somebody a Lombardi trophy if they have a good press conference. We got Mike Leach, Mississippi State. We got the NFL playoffs. We got Tom Brady. We got, uh, and we've got some of our favorite sports movies and inspirational speeches in general. Uh, check us out and check out my interview uh, with Dave Damashek. We really got in-depth on the divisional round stuff, so check that out as well. We have a live watch this Saturday night, Ravens, Titans, all that on Greenlight. drink we about to get drunk 21 was my favorite number because of tiki barber tiki barber shout out tiki barber gave me a ride home from the orange bowl also thanks for watching a lot of people are watching this pod now did you you notice that lately no i purposefully do not a lot of people are big fans of yours make all right let's get this thing rolling it's always a blessing to have you back making gunner my co-host here real estate extraordinaire Thank you. Um, and me, uh, dumb jock co- or co-host. I'm a co-host. I don't consider myself the, the host. I think you're the host. We were just having this conversation. I want to add the uh, dumb adjective to myself a few seconds ago. What did you say? Well, I said purposefully. I really panicked in about a, a fraction of a second. Yeah. I meant to say purposely, which means on purpose. That's a synonym of intentionally. Right. Purposefully means with a sense of purpose or with determination. So I don't, with determination, avoid our numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, on purpose, avoid looking at the numbers. Yeah, got it. You purposefully avoid the numbers. No, purposely. Con. Um, one nothing. One nothing me on the day. He just can't help but correct me. And he couldn't even wait to get to corrections. Usually I take my medicine like a big boy. He, he says one very complex word wrong, and uh, he can't wait to the uh, corrections. Big news today. I'm just going through the um, through the news. Taco Bell. Oh. Did you hear about this? No. They're paying people like 100K to work there now. Good, good. What is the catch? I don't know, but I love it. And I am pro Taco Bell. We, we did that weeks ago now. I'm really craving some Taco Bell. So when I get out of here, I might go back to the well again on that one. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing I read on, on that machine there was that uh, Josh McCown, it's come out that he ripped his hamstring off the bone in that game last week. You can only do that by being fast, which he is. Right. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to Josh McCown. I mean, like, to be that tough and gritty and just determined, this only adds to the lore. I remember when we were watching that live, called a live watch for those of you who, you know, it's another thing. We do a mailbag. We do live watches. It's one of a kind content here. You can't find it anywhere else. And check it out tonight, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. We're doing Ravens Titans. We're doing Ravens Titans. That's going to be a big deal. Uh, if you've heard of the Ravens, they're a very good football team. Uh, some would say they're, they're the hottest team in football. Uh, I would argue that the Titans are just as hot, um, especially because the Ravens had two weeks off. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Josh McCown, dude. It's it's. I know he lost the game, but I, I, he's he's never going to be. 
he's never a loser to me uh, because this dude has been a consummate professional his entire career. Everybody that's played with him, you'd be hard-pressed to find a single negative thing to say about him. And I think sometimes when you hear somebody say, you can't find a bad thing to say about that guy, I always think, well, that guy must be fake because something wrong with all of us. I would hope somebody has bad things to say about me. I know they do. Plenty, yeah. You too. I mean, I was just saying bad things about you last night. Mm. Talking to my wife, we were talking shit about you. Is that right? For about 30, 30 minutes. Are you serious? No, only 15. Why? What things? We'll get to <laughs> I'm just, it's a plant. I'm planting this in your head to make you feel self-conscious for the rest of the uh, the podcast. Huh. Could be true, could not be true. Oh, no, it's true. Oh, God. And now I'm upset. Oh my God. Well, this is, this is training for when the stakes are higher and we have millions of viewers. I got to push you to be uncomfortable as a co-host. So this is master manipulation, coaching, motivation. We're going to get into that stuff now. That's what I'm doing to you right now. Um, yeah, Josh, you can never find a negative thing to say about him. Not like you or I, where there's actually real negatives. I mean, you would, you would admit that there's negatives about you, right? Yeah, for sure. I just don't know what you and your wife are talking about for 15 minutes. It wasn't 15. It was like three. Hmm. <laughs> um, Josh McCown tore his hamstring off the bone. That's, that's, definitely, that's definitely newsworthy because he was, we were watching it and like dude's still trying to run around and it's hard to run around when you're 40 years old anyways on a football field with those dudes out there but with the hamstring off the bone, that's tough too. Also, a 17-year-old kid discovered a planet. Hmm. Yeah. Telescope or something? Uh, No, he was interning at NASA, and he discovered a planet at 17 years old. So I was thinking about the fact that I haven't done anything that cool in 34 years. Oh, sure you have. No. Neither of us have. I mean, discovering a planet, shout out to that kid. Um... His name is, where was it here? Anyways. Wim Hof? No, nah, it's not Wim Hof. Uh, it is, what's this kid's name? Here he is. New York teen discovers new planet while interning with NASA. A New York teen reached for the stars. That's how you open the, uh, the article. And found a one-of-a-kind planet, Wolf Cookier. All right. And you brought me down... You know, a few seconds ago, everybody heard it. I came in here with an elevated mood because I did do uh, Wim Hof's cold shower this morning. Awful. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I've read about the uh, benefits before of a cold shower. Yeah, the bennies. Frigid. Yeah. I got in. It hit like my feet and I started screaming. <laughs> and I decided I couldn't do it. So I went warm shower for about three to five minutes. Then I said, okay, come on, content for the program, yeah. et cetera. I went back to Frigid and I did it. Oh, so this was a surprise. You told me you had a surprise. Yeah. And um, I did feel good afterward. You did? So how long did you stay cold? Two. That's, two, that's two a good, solid stretch. Yeah. And I was... The hyperventilation thing is real, right? Yeah. And I was screaming a little bit during it. I was like dancing around and yeah, jumping you move, in it. You yeah. move. You're like, I, 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 I can't. if you literally just... Put the cold water on your head. Your head hurts. Yeah. Uh, it does gotta, hurt. It gotta, hurts at first. Yeah, you got to move it to like your... Sometimes I'll just, you know... I, I, it's a struggle for me to get through a minute, so kudos to you. 
Thank you. Greg Dodson on Twitter said, finish the green light pod, tried the cold shower immediately, one minute definite heavy breathing, still alive, and put in a four-mile run complete with four sets of 13 push-ups, my recommended set number. He said, I'm hooked. There we go. It's a movement. I'm telling you, Wim Hof, shout out to Wim Hof, uh, a relative of the program, not a friend of the program, distant relative of the program. He doesn't know it yet, but we are going to start this cold shower movement. Um, nobody's going to do it together, everybody individually taking their own showers, but um, you know, it really is game changer. Did you feel the the rush of kind of like the euphoria a little bit? No. No, yeah, well, I get that. Um, yeah, so Wim Hof, big fan of that. Uh, also, this week we had... Um, your New York Giants hire someone. Oh, love it. You like that. Could not love it anymore. Tell me why. You might recall that I told you, why can't teams just hire somebody I've never heard of? That's what I said. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Yep. And I also mentioned for the G-men, Dave Tobe, who's a special teams guy in Kansas City. Yep. Instead, I get special teams guy in New England, who's coached under... Arguably better. Belichick, Saban, role, role only grew... In New England, um, we you know you talk about John Harbaugh. He's the first name that comes to mm-hmm. mind. Other special teams guys who became head coaches who made it: Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. Dick Vermeil, Marv Levy, Mike Ditka. Mm-hmm. It's a long list. Cower, right? Bill Cower. Uh, so I'm fired up. He also wore navy suit, white shirt, black tie. Thought it was a great look yeah. to the presser. Yeah, and he answered questions. Uh, authentically, it seemed to me. Now, everybody's talking about pads, tackling in practice. That's a downer if I'm sitting there as a giant and I'm north of 30, or really at all. And most of these kids, you know, have not seen a lot of that because they're new CBA guys. I had a couple years of it. But I've been in some places where they still throw on the pads a lot and tackle a lot. If I'm hearing that, when you get a new coach and you're waiting, and I've done that a bunch of times in my career, you're like, it you know it's like a box of chocolates you really don't know it could be like pro player coach it could be you could be going to hell you know for a few years here and joe judge by the way i'm not even going to argue the merits of the hire i heard all week hey wide receivers coach wide receivers coach the guy made his hay as a special teams coach it is relevant information um he was in new england for eight ten years and as you mentioned saban and belichick i can't figure out if it's a bill thing where he just throws him at the Giants because he doesn't think he's going to succeed, or if he likes him and that's why he, he gave his blessing. Did he give blessing? That's what I don't want to get. I, you, all, you have to ask for permission. No, but just it's more like, do you, do you endorse this guy? You know, and, and if you're Bill, an endorsement means a lot. Um, and I, from what I understand, he really likes Joe Judge, like authentically. But some people might look at it like, you know, we joked about the Michael Bennett trade. If you... The way he traded Bennett away is possibly his best pass rusher up front had he used him correctly. You'd wonder if he, if it was a case of, I can't stand him, so I'm getting rid of him, or I think the Cowboys are good, so I'm going to plant him here because I think he's disruptive and he's going to disrupt the whole thing. I, I think it's more of an, uh, authentically, I think he likes Joe Judge. Yeah, I know there have been cases of permission being denied to talk to X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Can you be denied permission to talk to somebody and and hire and offer them a job anyway? I don't know. 
That's such a weird deal. It's a very weird dynamic. We're going to get into all the weirdness of like the hiring pr- practices and processes. A lot of these coaches know who they're going to hire. These GMs and owners know who they're going to hire halfway through the season. Uh, there's a lot of back channel stuff going on. But Joe Judge was not, he wasn't in the forefront. Right. In fact, I read a, tried to read a very interesting article. It was very long on the timeline with which this all went down. And the, the he was kind of the, if it was musical chairs, he wasn't the center of attention. He was the guy that was just going to end up with the chair he ended up with, if at all. And he blew them away in the interview process. And that coupled with the moving parts of Rule and McDaniels, who by the time this pod drops could have a job in Cleveland. I don't know. Um, I think Joe Judge, if you're looking for a motivator, will be just fine. I mean, he's I've 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 been there. Uh, with him in New England, he's well respected. You talk to Matt Slater, you talk to, you know, um, a number of those special teams guys who were iconic there. Um, Did y'all notice how Chris couldn't name one more of his well, teammates? You could Landon Roberts. Uh, you could you could talk about Nate Ebner. You could talk about. Uh, I was only there for a year, so that's cool. Not there, cool. I, I could name some special teams guys there. There was the punter, the kicker, Goskowski. There you go. You know, he was uh, a, he was a team long guy. Goskowski this, this fantasy season, yeah, even yeah, on IR. Yeah, you yeah, kept yeah him I on. kept him on for like five, six weeks. Yep. There were a number of guys there that that when you ask about him, said that he knows enough about both sides of the ball that he'll survive. He's not a play caller, but I don't think that's a necessity now. Right, I think it shouldn't be. I think you should have a guy who's managing the other coaches and an offensive play caller defensive play caller and intensity wise at least it looks to be a 180 from pat Shermer. it does um and of course there's a whole number of questions about pat Shermer, who's won like nine games you know um and and ben mcadoo for that and ben ben mcadoo who was just sub 500 who pat Shermer made look good um i think you have from a motivational standpoint you're better off uh with Joe Judge and the physicality that he's going to bring to that team. I mean, teams aren't going to want to face a team that's physical and has Saquon Barkley. If they can shore up that offensive line and they make it their identity, and you can't lead with that in today's football, you know, you, you need a wrinkle. I mean, S- San Francisco's done that, but their scheme is very dynamic. Um, they also take shots. You know, the Ravens were another one of those top four teams that had, you know, top four rushing attacks, um, you know, in the playoffs. At the, the Ravens have a wrinkle in Lamar. I mean, Seattle is one of the true teams that still runs the ball like at a dinosaur level a little bit with some of these n- new age analytics people that want them to move on. But all these rushing teams, you, you can't lean on it 100%, but you could use the physicality that I think he's going to implement there. And, you know, time will tell. I don't know why we, we have to everybody weigh, on, weigh in on if it's going to work or not. I, we've gotten in this thing where we have to call if Joe Judge is going to be successful or not. I don't know. What I can give you is background on who he is. And I'm just tired of everybody being like, oh, it's going to work or it's not going to work. Just let it play out. As a player in St. Louis, you probably watched, or maybe you didn't. Question is, did you watch the new coach's introductory press conference? Yeah, I'll always remember watching Jeff Fisher's. I I would try to watch him because I I would try to get a read on coaches. Um, And we're doing this thing now. You know, press conferences, it's almost become, become a running joke where if you win the press conference, I mean, hey, it's, it's all downhill from here, right? And you mentioned something earlier, which is 
you talk about you know letting the play callers call plays before we get on the press you know i think and this is more of a college model you think about some of these older coaches in college that more figurehead type coaches motivators they got their play callers i used to hear about like you know bowden would be up in the tower or on a golf cart or whatever and that's a unique situation but i think a lot of people don't surface level football fans don't think about all the game management the 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 schedule you know you know how you travel your team you know when you go out sports science managing that program managing the analytics managing strength and conditioning the training staff managing people i mean yeah. that is a1 for head coaches you can be the best play caller in the in the league but if you aren't emotionally intelligent and we'll get into that in a minute and if you don't know people, and if you're not a planner as far as like the details are concerned, and you've got people up in the booth that you know give you game time situational stuff, or you know they got the sheet and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you're the one who who okay's a challenge flag or doesn't. And Shermer, you know, who has a guy call down from the booth and tells him not to challenge it, he challenges it anyways, and then rips the challenge guy. Like it's it's not an automatic. And it's happening in real time with a lot of pressure on you've been you've been thinking about all these game situations something pops up I all coaches are not created equal from situational awareness uh, perspective and an emotional intelligence perspective and we haven't even gotten to the play calling but did uh, did Joe judge win the press conference other than the the Navy uh, did you like what he had to say I thought it was an a minus a minus okay I think he could have toned down the uh hey, we're just going to run our players into the ground uh, seven days out of the week. But no, nah, I really liked it. Like the hire, again, I wanted somebody I had never heard of, which is a strange criterion to mm. have. But Bingo. Got, uh, got that guy and Joe Judge. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see, again, we'll see how it plays out. I like the guy. It doesn't mean I like the hire. Do I, do I think, you know, the process was surprising? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm never, I'm never surprised with, these, with, with the way – you know, the, the lack of predictability of how people hire. I mean, you look at McCarthy, um, you know, what, we'll get into it later. Um, but the rule press conference is the one that was, that was the everybody's favorite this week, right? Which I did not get. I didn't get it. And I like rule. I mean, I do. I think he's a program builder. I think as I went back and studied, you know, the, the last five years, coaches that were getting jobs, um, He's as qualified as any college guy that's come up as far as a program builder. Um, and that was Tepper's guy since the beginning, probably, which is another issue with this hiring process is how do you avoid it? But owners generally have their guy and he threw him a lot of money. He's built two programs up at Temple and Baylor, you know, teams that were laughing stocks at one point. Um, so, and when he was interviewed on the field, I guess most recently at Baylor, you can tell going into halftime or after a game, he's seeing everything clearly. Yes. Very intelligent, knows football. I get it. I can see why he's successful. But the, um, hey, you got to watch this press conference. It'll take your breath away sort of stuff. And I'm like, was lost on me. Yeah, there was no breath taken away. No. Listen, just fine. Yeah. It was just fine. He likes football. He likes football. Got it. Got it. You know, by the way, he's a Parcells guy. Um Likes football. Football is taking him great places. I've heard that speech a lot. Mm -hmm. So my thing is just don't package it like it's anything crazy. I know you have to blow people away. And he wasn't responsible for the marketing of his presser. No. So it's not on him. No, he's doing the best he can in a presser. Yeah. I mean, like, and he's 
he's being as professional. He spoke well. I mean, like, listen, he was a, he, he seems like a good public speaker. He seems like he's going to address the team well. But, um, but, and another thing is, did he tell the guys on text message that he was leaving? I know that's relatively in college now. You know, you know college uh, status quo better than I do. Is that pretty prevalent right now? No. It's, it's still standard operating procedure to, to get your guys in the, in the room and tell them yourself. It'd be interesting to see what uh, Coach Leach did too. I don't know about rule. We'll look into that. Well, I heard, I read that he texted every player individually. Um, okay. I, well, it would take less effort to get on a plane and fly back and call a meeting. Right. And isn't that a lot of copy, paste, copy, paste. change the first name? Yep. Yeah, which is, just seems... And all the players are going to say, hey, did you get this text? Yeah, I mean, you would think, unless he personalized every one, and kudos to him, and only, only his players know what type of guy he is, but for me, that always rubs me wrong when you can't stand in front of your team and tell them why you're leaving. Because, God forbid, a player transfers or anything like that, but that's a whole other tangent. Again, no issue with uh, his speaking ability, or um, if for me, it was just... I was like you, I was getting ready to hold my breath and have it taken away. And, right. and, I, and it wasn't. It, it seemed like a movie speech to me a little bit. And so that prompted, uh, that prompted me at least to go back and look through my favorite sports movie uh, speeches and motivational speeches and movies. And what I discovered, discovered is that they are way overrated generally. And I, I, against your will, had you looking up movie scenes, which I thought was like pulling teeth. Well, when someone tells me they're going to send me videos or links to videos, Mm -hmm. I sit there awaiting the videos. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Or the links to videos. You know, all you have to do is Google TV or movie speeches, you know? There's there's only 15. There's only 15. They never came. I got two kids, man, you know? So for all I knew, this pod wasn't on today. Oh, God. Here we go. Uh, how about any given Sunday? That's the goat for me. Okay. You're going to let me down here. You're gonna I'm going to let that. you down by saying I haven't seen the film. <gasps> the, well, the film, you don't need to see the film. The film is... What bothered me about that film was that for a long time, you had people that really thought that we were all like chainsawing escalades on the roof. And that was like how we lived at like parties and shit. Like... It's very misleading as far as the lifestyle component is concerned. Whatever team that was, I've never seen a team like it. Maybe in the 80s or something, but you know, it's a lot more tame than that. Now the speech, have you ever seen the speech? Nah, man. And let me explain myself before you get into it. Yeah. Like I'm immersed in sports, you more so than me, but Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I just think it's so hard to do a fictional story about sports and have it be believable to a sports fan. On that, yes. So it's I, just not my favorite genre. Now as, listen, uh, now, Mr. Trebek would yeah, say. Yeah. Now listen. By the way, I thought it was fucked up the way they treated Trebek on Jeopardy. I heard they okay boomered him. Did they really? Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. Trebek the goat. The goat. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah. Listen for for an athlete. I think sports fans in general, and this is no disrespect, people are more idealistic when it comes to sports than athletes. Like, whatever your profession, whatever you do, if they made a movie about it, you probably wouldn't like it. You know, and, and mostly sports movies bother me. 
Are there a lot of real estate movies? Well, there's one, which I'm going to talk to you about. Oh, okay. You want me to wait on that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Any given Sunday, one of the best speeches in movie history, definitely the best speech in, in sports history, uh, sports movie histories, probably the best speech that I would have ever heard uh, as an athlete in real life if Al Pacino had made that speech in a team meeting or maybe a little bit more abbreviated before game because a six-minute speech in the locker room is not going to play well. Um, guys are tight. Like when you're getting ready for a game, you know, I'm having a hard enough. I'm in the hot tub three times, especially when you mm. get a little bit older because you're like, all right, I get to the, I get to the stadium three hours before I, I hop in to make me feel better. It might be cold out. I just, I just want to feel better. You go out, you warm up, you come back in, you get back in. Your guys are rolling themselves out, which is basically like foam rollers or the, you know, the, the sticks that people rub, yep. you know, on, on their calves or whatever. Lacrosse balls, guys are getting ready. There's no time for a six minute speech. Like you're always rushing to get one more thing on. Nobody's as settled as that team was in that locker room. But, that speech gives me chills every time. And actually, I always made the time when I was in St. Louis, especially in the darkest days of my career, that I would listen to it on my headphones. Um, it starts with, I don't know what to say, really. And yes, you did, Al. It, it's, it's a remarkable speech. I get, I, sometimes I get emotional listening to it. You got Jim Brown in the background leaning on the wall. Every assistant coach is unnaturally yoked I like um, my favorite part of the speech is where he says we're in hell right now spoiler alert doesn't seem like you're gonna be interested in watching the movie anyways you couldn't watch the YouTube we're in hell right now and then the, the music kicks in the music is the best part what's well, equally as good as the speech which is rare because as we go through these they don't always get the the music right I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I love that. I'm not uh, the middle-aged man tangent was the weak, the weak point of a relatively brilliant speech. Um, but again, when Willie Beeman starts walking up and, and he's got Willie's attention, you know, it's the inches we need are everywhere around us. That's the fucking difference that, you know, between living and dying, all that stuff. And then the, the very stock hell yeahs in the background sound like, your prototypical roided out 43 year old you know offensive line type character oh yeah oh yeah hell yeah uh you know sometimes when i listen to that speech i actually wish i would have just broken my body completely playing football that's what it makes me feel like you know i i was listening to it yesterday and i was like i'm so happy right now but maybe i should just go run this fucking thing into the ground because mm. al pacino would want me to do that can i take you back to real life for a second it, it it takes me out of real life that's why it's such a good speech may i take you back yeah that was interesting um what you were saying there before every game did the head coach address the team as one yeah every single game that you ever played usually and and some were better than others like jeff fisher was great because he'd come in and he'd keep it to under 30 seconds every time. And it, do people get out of their chairs and stand up and huddle you try, around? Yeah, you try, to, you try to come in and stand up. Right but before you run out of the tunnel. Generally, and this is how it go with the Eagles, is like Doug would call us all up and then he'd go, usually, usually towards the end it was, you got us, Chris. So I would have the in the locker room speech, which... Look at that. Which to me was way more... 
fun than doing it on the field. Malk had to do it on the field. And the problem with doing it on the field is everybody can hear what you say. Mm-hmm. So you got to be good. Me, there's a lot more there's a lot more leeway either way and I can say things that I couldn't say on the field. You can eat your W's and nobody's gonna... Nobody's gonna... Yeah, that. like you can go viral on the field giving a speech. So, you know, the pressure for Malcolm was much higher than the pressure for me in the locker room. If you say something in the locker room, as you, as you said, you can eat all the W's you want. You can, you can misspeak. You can say things that would be not suitable for TV or radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give that guy the speech and, you know, the team would huddle up uh, after the coach's speech, and then we go out. Um, and that's kind of how it goes. Now, a, a, a coach who's going to talk a long time is going to lose your attention before a game. Because by game day, and I talked about this with motivators, somebody asked me about motivation um, for coaches. One, I mentioned emotional intelligence. You've got to have that throughout the week. You know, people ask, okay, who are the best motivators? Who gives you the pregame speech? It is not about the pregame speech. I have tuned you out as a coach by pregame. Not a good player speech, a player speech because you're in the foxhole together that day. Coaches' jobs as motivators are to motivate through the week and through the offseason. And to know when to dangle the carrot, to know when to put the foot on the gas pedal, when to back off, when to approach a guy who's having a hard time, when to kick somebody in the ass. Like That's motivation. And it's also... Like you do a lot of mundane things that you don't want to, like six days a week, I did not want to be a pro football player. So for me, even somebody who's very internally motivated, tell me why this period is important. Tell me why this practice is important. I know why it is. I'm going to go out and do my best, but lift my attitude so it's more contagious. Bring the, the morale of the team up. So how do you do that? That's every day. That's every day in the morning. It's not, you know, it's, it's reading the room. And a lot of coaches don't have emotional intelligence. You know, a lot of people don't. Um, and I think that's one of the most underrated skills in any profession, whether it's an athlete or a coach, knowing your teammates, your players, emotional intelligence, and picking your spots. And I think that's motivation as much as it is an Al Pacino speech. It's actually more. I think that is really well said and hella interesting. Really? I mean, because to me, it's so basic because, and that's the, the difference between somebody watching a sports movie one way or the other is I'm watching it and saying that won't play. Right. Yeah, everybody else is like, I'm eating it up. That's what motivators do. They motiv- Think about it. If I busted my ass for six days, took tortle on a Wednesday, you know, practice with a broken rib or with a, with a high ankle sprain or, you know, I'm tired, I'm not sleeping. We took a flight to the West Coast. It's week 14. Like, I, I'm already invested. Your job is to get me to game day. And once I get to game day, I'm good. Get me in the right position to make plays and get the team feeling fresh and in a good mood to go kick somebody's ass. And I've had coaches that have done that. Two of my best motivating coaches, um, you know, Doug was a good motivator. He was short and sweet guy. Um, Greg Williams was a great motivator. Very polarizing figure for some, but Greg Williams could dish it and take it. As far as he could say the meanest shit to you, you could say the meanest shit to him. No sensitivity with him. Um, he could have fun with you, he could joke with you, or he could make you hear a pin drop in the meeting room. He would walk around that meeting room in Earth City after a game the next day, and we'd all have our like little student desks, you know, like with the very uncomfortable, which is another pet peeve of mine in pro football. We spend more time sitting than anything. Give us some fucking sharper image chairs. 
or whatever the, the Brookstone shares. Invest in that. You got all these fancy sports science programs. Invest in some fucking Brookstone shares while I'm getting chewed out by Greg Williams. He would walk through the chairs, mm. walk behind people. You know, like somebody walk up behind you and talk to you behind your head. He would like walk around people, behind people, eye contact, dramatic pauses. And he knew the buttons to push. And you couldn't, you could hear a pin drop because he was that great a motivator. But the biggest thing with him is that he could dish it and take it. And what scenario is he taking it from players? Well, we, we bust his balls, we make fun of him. There's no sensitivity with him. And he could do it too with the best of them. And, but it's not like, hey, that was one crappy game you just called. I mean, a, a veteran could say, hey, that was a fucked up call. Okay. And he would say, you're right, that was bad. And you know what Greg always did that nice. I appreciate? He always made it about the players. He always noted on a regular basis that it's about you guys. This is why I love doing it is you guys. You guys are out there making the plays, not me. And a lot of people that know Greg might say, Greg has an ego. Well, yeah, Greg has an ego. To be great at anything, you have to have an ego. And newsflash, every human being has an ego because uh, the term gets thrown around incorrectly. But it's about duality as a coach. Being an asshole, being emotionally intelligent at times, being cocky at the right time but being humble at the right time to say, I fucked that call up, you know, and that's what Greg had. Now, Mike Waffle, my D-line coach, he was a great motivator as well in his own way. And he was my D-line, he was a, he's a Marine. He's my D-line coach in, uh, in, in St. Louis with, you know, that group, we, we're still so tight. We had, we, our group text just fired up again yesterday. Me, Robert Quinn, William Hayes, uh, Kendall Langford, Brockers, the whole nine, Aaron Donald, I mean, those names, we had some studs, but we also lived with a code. Like, that was it. And Mike, although we disagreed a lot and we fought a lot, and I might not agree with him on certain, you know, schematic, you know, or technique ways of doing things. He's very rigid that way. What he did is he created an atmosphere that, that was all about brotherhood. And so when you create an atmosphere that's about brotherhood, and that comes from the right personalities, you know, doing things together, creating pride in our unit, that sort of thing, doing everything together. We did everything together. When we, most unit groups in the NFL, when they get out of the building, they go their separate ways. We did everything together. And uh, Mike, Mike fostered that environment. Once you do that, Mike was a hard ass, and Mike would make us work as hard as anybody in the league. In fact, too hard. I mean, like, my body started to break down because I was trying to do all the things he wanted me to do, an individual, et cetera, sprint to the ball, bunch of bag drills, you know, like, if you don't put the governor on, it can be hard. But what he did was, even with all his, like, hard-ass motivation, you were motivated by each other. And that's the trick that coaches, if they're smart, can catch on to is create an environment where the group motivates for you. I don't have to be yelling and screaming. I don't want to let William Hayes down. William Hayes don't want to let me down. Robert Quinn the same way. And that was the environment he fostered. We, we had fun. We fucked around in meetings, we had music, you know, sometimes, you know, we drink beer together, that sort of thing. Um, we'd interrupt, we'd get on our phones sometimes in meetings. You know, sometimes he'd be like, get off your phone for a second, I got a point to make. That was the kind of daycare center environment he had because D-linemen are fucked up. And, uh, but on the practice field, he was as strict and stringent as anybody and, and sometimes too much. But we loved Waff because Waff created an environment where we had a brotherhood. Did you have teammates 
who would say to you, we're in a room where we can't stand our, our position coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That was always, you know, there's always a few position coaches that people couldn't stand. And, and there's also bad games where for a week you can't stand your position coach, even if they're cool, you can't stand your coach, your position coach. Cause the most stressful place, you know, in sports, I would argue is in a football locker room or meeting room after a loss. There's no time to move on. Like in hockey or basketball or baseball, like we're going to be in this, this bunker together for a week. We just got beat 44 to seven, or we just gave up 200 on the ground. So yeah, that's my tangent about motivation and coaching. I think if you can be emotionally intelligent and if you're a position coach, you can keep that emotional intelligence, but also create a, a brotherhood uh, environment. And that's what we had in St. Louis. And any good coach will tell you sometimes it, the best motivation can be accountability to your your brothers, and um, and that's what he created. So any given Sunday is the best one. I also went through Saving Private Ryan, the school teacher speech that was on the list. And there was too much standing around to be in fucking World War One. Was it World War One or World War Two? Two. Well, I'm not standing around in either World War. Um, you know, no one is letting you get off a three minute monologue in the middle of like a whole war. I, I have yet to be in war. Um, I do think there is some downtime. Don't say, don't say that. There's some downtime. I know, but yet to be in war. Let's not. Uh, yeah, I hope never to be in war. I hope for nobody else to ever I be ain't, in war. I ain't going. Yeah. Hope, hope nobody has to. Um, so, yeah, I just, they stood around a lot. And then like, every man I kill, the farther away from home I feel. Like, who says that? There's other ways to say that. It just was too Hollywood for what I would imagine was a really tense. And guys are like, who lets you go on a three, four minute monologue in a situation? I don't, I don't know. Independence Day, you watched that one though. Mm-hmm. President uh, Whitmore. Did I just watch it? Yeah, with the aliens and a bunch of people in a... Yeah, it didn't even... Didn't do much didn't for me. Stick. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't... The music was cheesy. It was very 90s. Braveheart, though. Can we agree on the freedom speech? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. In part because you have interplay, I think. There's love, a, I love interplay. Yeah, there's some uh, there's, there's response there from his constituents. Is that like the hell yeah? Sort of, but it's like, hey, nah, instead of fighting, we're going to head back. Yes. Nah. Yeah. You know, like, how did we hear every complaint? Like, you know what I mean? The, the boom must have been... Big boom. Big boom. Because you heard every little pithy comment and everybody heard everything. I, I, it's always funny to me in battle scenes, like when Jon Snow gets up there in front of a thousand like wildlings and he's like, we're going to win today. And the guy like half a mile back is like, yeah, like what the fuck is he saying? Yeah. Well, these are, this is, it's fake. Braveheart is not fake. Now, Game of Thrones is fake. Braveheart was real. William Wallace was real. The music was elite here. You had some humor, some interplay, as you said. We're here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. The action of fighting makes you free men. Plus, way easier to talk me into charging at a bunch of spears in medieval times than it, than it is now. Like, I think it was way easier to make that speech back then. If you made that speech today, 
people will be like, no, life is too good. I'm gonna go get on my Xbox and in my heated bedroom, you know, and drink some clean water and, you know, Grubhub some Taco Bell. Like these guys are like, fuck it. If if I get impaled today, at least I don't have to be cold as shit in my in my grass hut in the Scottish countryside. Like, you know what I mean? It's I got nothing to lose back then. We all smell bad. I don't know. You often refer to me as someone uh, destined for colonial times. Yeah, you're very colonial. Yeah, I think I would have made a a really nice life in colonial times. I think had either of us been there when William Wallace was was talking that noise, we would have been like, we're out. Yeah, and I'm talking more... You're talking like 1700s. Yeah, but still no Xbox or Taco Bell, which is gross in 2020. Yeah. No offense. Well, I like... I haven't had Taco Bell or Xbox in 2020, but that's about to change this weekend. Yeah, the life expectancy was shorter. You could die in any number of ways back then. You could easily talk me into charging a, a bunch of people with horses and spears. I'm just saying, I, I think I would have made a great life for myself in colonial times. Yeah. William Wallace times. Really? Yeah. I think just just heading back home would have been what my do you choice. Think that, how, would they, how would they have uh, the, put you to use back then? Give me a scenario. Like blacksmith. Oh, great question. Probably a cobbler. Yeah? Yeah. They make shoes, right? That's right. <laughs> I could see that. I could too. You know, I really like, as far as sports movies are concerned, I like the Warrior speeches. Um, well, I like the Warrior is one of my favorite movies. Uh, have you seen Warrior? No, you haven't seen Warrior. Of course not. It's an MMA movie. Um, Tom Hardy. You would think it's not very good, but it's very good. The Nick Nolte scene in the hotel room, uh, I remember the first time me and my, my family watched four big dudes, um, all of us in the room, just kind of dumbfounded watching this scene. And then when the scenes, I, during the scene, and it's a very gut-wrenching scene, um, audiobook, Moby Dick, Nick Nolte, alcoholism, Tom Hardy, <sighs> Tom Hardy, all he does is grunt in movies. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, we're all sitting there and I just hear my dad get up and walk out of the room in the middle of the speech. I'm like, and I look over and I got a tear in my eye and both my brothers are crying. <laughs> and my dad's like, fuck this, I can't cry in front of them. So he's walking in the other room. There were no good like motivational speeches in Warrior. Rocky Balboa, you know, and that's the one where they drug the thing out too long and he was talking to his son. It was really cool when I saw it, but when I watched back last night, it didn't age that well. Shawshank, get busy living or dying. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Hoosiers. Pre-game speech. Nah. Nah. Hard nah. Right. What the fuck was that speech that Gene Hackman did? Right. And what the fuck were those old assistant coaches like vigorously nodding their head about? Like, there was... I thought the guy was going to break his neck nodding his head when they started clapping. What were we clapping about? I did not like the movie. Now, what I will say, as corny and ubiquitous as it's mm. become, yeah. measuring the free throw line to 15 feet, the hoop to 10 feet, yeah. I think people apply that in their lives. Hey, this stage is not too big. Yeah. Same as everything else I've ever done. Yeah, sure. But that speech... I'm with you. Those are different scenes. Yeah, I mean, I, we could argue the ubiquity. Like, hey, 
this pod, which is also a TV show on YouTube.com. Yeah. The lights are bright. Yeah. There are cameras. There are producers. But it's just two guys talking. But I'm just talking to see long. I can do this. I think it's the same reason you get nervous on a 10-foot balcony just as much as you do, you know, standing 10 stories up. They could both kill you. Does that make sense? How tall was the first one? 10 foot. No, 20 foot. Okay. It's like, it's everything's relative. It's all the same. You know, us just talking here. We're just two guys talking. I don't know if that makes sense. I think it does. I think it was a great point made by me that you've no, now my, sort of commandeered. No, but I'm saying my point. The balcony one? Yeah. Yeah, if I jump off a 10-foot balcony, I'm good. I meant 30. Okay. Okay, then yeah. Good point. But you're not going to tell somebody, you're not going to tell somebody waiting to jump out of an airplane to like skydive or something, don't be nervous. It's just like a 30-foot balcony. That doesn't work. Both are going to kill you. Right. When I jumped out of a plane in the year uh, 2011. Um, oh, you did that? Yeah, I did. Orange County, Virginia. Yeah, uh, Cowboy Reed did it recently. Recently? Nice, yeah, Cowboy Reed showed up one day. I, I was like, hey, can I get the notes on the Jaguars? And he was like, yeah, man, I just came from skydiving. Which is, which those two things are similar. Skydiving and, and researching the Jags. on the Jags. Yeah. Uh, what was your big, uh, big skydiving takeaway? Oh, um... Push my limits, prove myself to myself. I could do something like that. Would never do it again. Hated it. Nice. Yeah. Um, Don't recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend the Hoosiers pregame speech either or Miracle on Ice. I know that's not popular. Cowboy Reed likes Miracle on Ice. Um, and I think we just call it Miracle, the film. Yeah, Miracle, whatever. It was on ice, though, to be, to be fair. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Did everyone find that funny but me? I found it funny. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, you told a good joke. I guess I told a good joke indirectly. Kurt Russell, man. Uh, you know what? I love the guy, but the speech didn't do anything for me. I, and everybody loves it. It's just like the Hoosier speech. You scroll down in the YouTube comments, and people are like, oh, my God, I would run through a wall. Not I, hope, you. I, I hope none of you guys ever do cocaine. Not that I know how that feels like, but I could imagine that you would probably run through five walls if the Hoosiers speech gets you going. Or Miracle. Or Miracle on Ice gets you going. How about Glen Gary Glenn Ross, bro? Come again? Glen Gary Glenn Ross. It's a film. I don't know that one. Okay, it's about real estate. Oh, uh, yeah? It's about a lot of things, but it's about real estate. Pushing the MLSs. You might remember uh, Coffees for Closers. No, I don't remember that one. How about ABC Always Be Closing? No, I don't remember that one. Okay, that's an Alec Baldwin uh, character monologue. You might want to take a Was look. Was it on Maybe, TV? You know I what don't I'll watch do? TV. Nah, dude. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, I don't know Famous that one. film. I'll send you a link. Okay. And I will follow through on sending you said link. Okay, cool. That's great. Also, prep for an entire pod where the other person rarely talks in the in the meantime <laughs> while you're while you're sitting and have two kids. Um, so, anyways, uh, the wrestler was one that I thought was authentic. Uh, it was also a great flick. Moneyball, you know, where he walks in, which, by the way, was a very good movie. Have you seen Moneyball? No. He's. I thought that was a good one. Um, that's what losing looks like. And then Coach Carter, man. I'm afraid to look at the comments on Coach Carter's 
end end of the season speech. I mean, Channing Tatum is in that movie, which is funny to me. Have you seen Coach Carter? Oh man, Coach Carter is the name of the film. Yeah, I was trying to think like, hmm. Have you seen Coach Carter's is that, presser? Is that remember the Titans? Nah, Coach Carter. By the way, I'm not a remember the Titans fan, so this is a, I'm a huge downer. I don't know if you. I don't even remember okay. it at this point. You don't remember the Titans. Oh, uh, nice. Coach Carter. Now that's funny. Hey, you're going to remember the Titans Saturday night when we're live streaming mm, Titans Baltimore, huh? Tonight. Yes, yeah. sir. Yep, yep. Tonight. Coach Carter was way too quick. It was like the guys were miserable after they lost, and then he just like pops around the locker and has this pre-rehearsed speech that's got all these this flowery language, and then there's like an awkward Channing Tatum like, Huh? It's a great speech, Samuel L. Jackson. I think I'll go do a buddy cop movie, which is a sensational movie, by the way. Um, what's the movie with uh, 21 Jump Street? Uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah. Invictus, hey. Invictus came up. Farkas, Farkas, Farkas. Matt Damon's fucking South African accent is the worst thing I've ever heard. Also, Major League. We can't not hmm. mention Major League. Any number of speeches in that movie. Are great. The one you were just playing before we started taping is great. Yeah. Shout out to Lou Brown. Yeah. And a quick thank you to our fans listening to Greenlight Podcast. Make sure you head over to Spotify and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Speaking of coaches and zany press conferences and pregame and postgame speeches, Mike Leach got mm. another job. Football. Real quick, football. You think he's competitive in the uh, SEC? If competitive means six to seven wins, ruining somebody's year for the next five, yeah. Okay. Sounds, sounds like right what he has in, in mind. <laughs> for, well, that's what he did in, in Pullman. Yeah, no, I know. Um, no, I don't know. Do I think he's going to be no. playing for titles? No. Did you see him shaking that bell when he got off the plane? It was perfect because his facial expression doesn't change. Starkville. Yeah. More cowbell. Um, I used to drunk dial Mike Leach. That's my, every time we talk about Mike Leach reminder, I'd be at uh, Bonnaroo or a number of music festivals with Danny Amendola. Mike, Mike Leach beat my beloved Virginia Cavaliers. I was a member of this team in 2008. Seven. Seven, seven. Um, in, the, in the Gator Bowl. Actually, was the ball game on January first? Ah, I think it was. Yeah, one one oh eight. You're not doing well today with the corrections. You, I'm doing really well correcting. Actually, yourself, yeah, yourself though. You've been corrected a couple times. It's not normal for you. Hey, let's go back. Can we run that back? Two thousand seven seven con one one. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, sure. I'll give it to you. I corrected. Well, yeah, sort con. of. Yeah, so. Mike Leach beat us in the Gator Bowl. Me and Danny became good friends. The first night in, in St. Louis, I took Danny out to, um, uh, what's the name? Obi Clark's. Um, it's a bar on Brentwood Boulevard in St. Louis, and I got him pissed drunk on Rumple Mints. He vomited in my closet. Uh, that was his first night in, in St. Louis. And me and Danny became like best buddies. We played against each other in the Gator Bowl. And we would drunk dial Mike Leach all hours of the day. And the thing about Mike Leach drunk dial is, you know when somebody drunk dials you, you want to get off the phone ASAP. Nothing worse than a drunk FaceTime, and I'm very guilty of that. Yes. But Mike Leach 
would stay on the phone for an hour and a half. The contents of these conversations I do not remember. That's wild. Um, we, I can remember being at Coachella circa like 11 between shows, just sitting on a, uh, you know, a stump out there with Danny talking to Mike Leach on speakerphone. Uh, he got the job in Mississippi State. I love some of the press conferences. For those of you who do not watch Mike Leach press conferences, you've been living under a rock. Um, you've got the Jackalopes press conference. That's my favorite one. Um, you're like pretty ambivalent on... No, I'm fascinated by his brain. I don't know. Yeah, in some ways he's very confusing. Uh, and in some ways uh, he makes a lot of sense. You know, he's hit Jackalopes. News to a lot of people that Jackalopes weren't real, and that was the point he was making. Uh, he also likened it to the alt- altitude. The metaphor was altitude and Jackalopes. How you tie those two together, that's Russ Cole stuff, right? Where, do you know where Mike Leach is from? I don't. I'm looking it up. I'm curious. I don't know. And how he's going to work in Starkville, Mississippi. Culturally, it's a, um, it's a bit of a 180 from Pac-12. The uh, birthplace, at least, Susansville, California. He would be from Susansville. Total fucking Susansville guy. Where is Susanville? Northern California or like the desert, like near Barstow? Or my, my bad. Susanville. Oh, okay. Susanville. Uh, as most know, Susanville is in Northeast California. Got you. Yeah. Formerly known as Roop Town. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to change the name of your city. From Roop Town to Susanville? Couldn't even. <laughs> I mean, no offense to any Susans out there, no. but Roop Town is for any Susan, lit. For any Susans listen, listening, and I would. I would place the over-under at three. Are you taking the under on Susan's listening to this pod? Yeah, under. For sure. Um, if you... Give me any name, I'm If one of your under. friends was like, brought a new baby in the room, and you were like, what's the baby's name? Susan. I'd be like, ha, oh, that's a funny joke. It's 2020. Well, I have, I have some Susan friends, so I need to tread lightly. Yeah, but also that was the 80s. Yeah. These things... These things... Have been uh, they're cyclical. Yeah, I guess they are. Um, but anyways, Mike Leach, shout yeah. out to the Susans. Uh, Mike Leach, Jackalopes, he gave the wedding, um, the wedding monologue, which was, was mostly true, except my wife, complete Megan, my lovely wife, Megan, who gets a lot of shout outs on here, she, she noted. You know, um, my lovely girlfriend, Kate, not to uh, interrupt. <laughs> We were, uh, we were talking about you last night, actually. Maybe that's what the conversation with me and Macon was. Uh, you mean Meg? Or with, I'm Meg with Meg, yeah, me and Meg. Yeah, I was talking with Kate about, about your uh, just kind of overall deficiencies as yes. a person. Yes, well, that's but great. I, we can talk about that later. You know, well, the key to being happy is not caring what other people think about you. And in 2020, I'm going to be more positive, and I'm not going to worry about it. Cool. Um, I'm still going to follow up on what you were talking about. Maybe we were talking about the fact that you haven't, you haven't brought up your lovely girlfriend, Kate, on the pod. Hmm. Consider her brought up. <laughs> oh, it's already been brought. Now, to be fair, now I have to say that I was joking there with that word that's not a word. I said brought as a joke. It's okay. I think most <sighs> people know you're a really intelligent guy. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and Mike's monologue was that, you know, in weddings is catch-22 as a guy, you got to stay out of the way, but then when you're asked, you know, an opinion, it doesn't matter. It is a catch-22. That was, that was poignant. Um, 
Joseph was, Heller. Huh? Joseph Heller. I think I'm using the word poignant wrong. Because poignant in, invokes sadness, doesn't it? No. Really? You sure? Look that up. Yes. Wow. Really? Yeah, dude. It, it, that was a shocker to me, too. Poignant. I've been saying poignant for 32 years. Since I was two years old, I've been saying poignant. Golly day. Poignant. Seen, Gosh, that's how poignant that was. I think I have, too. Yeah, like, you use it probably in real estate all the time. Nah. Also, Mike Leach hates candy corn, which brings him down a peg, and there's some other things that are bringing him down a couple pegs in my book, but uh, he likened it to fruitcake and mint juleps. I disagree. Um, He called a reporter, and a lot of times you got coaches shitting on reporters, but when you call him a sanctimonious troll, (laughs) that's a great takedown. I mean, like, you got to have that loaded in the chamber or else your verbal IQ is just very... I mean, even you could go toe-to-toe with the best of them verbally. Not today. That's not on the tip of your tongue. Sanctimonious troll. (laughs) A synonym of poignant is touching. That's that's what I think of poignant as. Well, I thought of his monologue as poignant. poignant. What's a word for very appropriate? Spot on. It was spot on. We're going to start going with spot on. He addressed the Bigfoot thing for like a minute on a whim. Mike, Mike Leach, you give him a word, he'll go for a while. Uh, he said it would be fun if you had Bigfoot. Uh, he doesn't know if he believes in it. He suspected that aliens are little green men. He goes, I don't know that they're specifically in our galaxy. <laughs> Me neither. He said, I'm not into the whole lightning strikes mud and there's, then there's a beetle thing. You know, like, you mean like the Big Bang Theory or evolution? He said that um, his defense of people saying that we're the only life forms in the, it would be the universe, right? Galaxies are smaller than universes, right? Milky Way galaxy, the universe, giant. Um, He said, well, I asked people, have you been to other planets? Have you checked out the other planets? (laughs) Presumably no, Mike. Um, But he did make a, again, very poignant, poignant Mike Leach. He said, if you believe in God, which he does, not to get too deep here, you can still believe in aliens, because why wouldn't God create other, other planets like Earth? And I think that uh, Mike Leach, that was very progressive of him for somebody who seems to be religious. And then the whole, the whole monologue, again, on the um, Pac-12 mascots, who would win in a fight? That's another good YouTube uh, thing to bring up on your... Uh, on your laptop or phone or people even on laptops anymore i mean outside of the we have two laptops i know but, respective laps but if people are watching this on youtube are they watching it on their phones or on laptops how do you imagine most people are watching this laptops really i i don't know we're gonna take this to twitter later a poll do you watch green light on a laptop or a youtube i'm gonna bet that more people for a YouTube <laughs> or, or, or an iPhone <laughs> or let me call you on my YouTube. I mean, old people talk about technology. Yeah. I mean, Pod. that's like Bill Belichick calling a uh, Snapchat snap face, which he really does. Um, you know, Mike Leach, if anything is going to give us a lot of good content down in Starkville. So, uh, on to this weekend's action, right? We were, 
we were okay on the games last week, weren't we? You pulled up the old scores. I mean, we predicted the scores of the wild card round. We were close, at least on some of them. No? We were okay. Uh, your biggest win would be Titans 24-17. Mm. You had the winner there. My biggest win would be Texans 19-16, which, as I've told you, no fewer than 25 times I nearly nailed. No, I mentioned it um, with Dave today. Final was 22-19. We both had the Eagles close. That didn't pan out. You had the Saints in a blowout. I had the Saints very close. Regret that. Yeah. Uh, But I technically take the dub. But let's look forward. Wait, uh, was that all four games? I mean, I'm just mentioning highlights. If you want to get technical, uh, I was closer in three of the ball games, and you were closer in one. Nice job. Thanks, man. I did have a nice weekend money-making, though. Um, Titans. Money-making. Money-making. Titans money line. That was a, that was a nice winner. And I, if, I watched that game with you. Yeah, we with, did. With you and your my, yeah, cell phone. And my YouTube. Yep. Um, so this weekend, we, we get another crack at it, right? Uh, we got the big four games coming up that we uh, in the divisional round that we, we talked about with Dave. I got way more in-depth on it if you want to see the in-depth analysis um of those four games check out uh that video on on youtube on chalk media with dave uh we took like an hour talking about all the games and some uniform stuff plus macon has to get out of here he's got a life he's basically doing this as charity um i uh i think this weekend we'll start with the vikings game vikings niners let's go chronologically i agree okay uh, uh depending on when you're listening to this might have already happened yeah might be at 4:35 p.m. eastern today but if you're lagging that long on the pod it, what what are you doing yeah so spoiler spoiler alert all oh, right we can tell them the final um we can tell you exactly what's going to happen in these games um right now this could change niners favored by 7 over under 44 and a half okay so I like the Vikings to cover for sure if I have a pick there, but I have Vikings 25-22 winning outright. Wow. Yeah, what do you have? That's fascinating. I have Niners 31, Vikings 7. Wow, you're, 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 yeah, I guess I might be married to this Kirk Cousins thing. I just think, well, I think a lot of people are because you don't see the bye teams in the wild card round, obviously. Yes. And you see the Vikings get a great win in New Orleans, and you think, hey, they can replicate that. little recency bias. I, I will tell you, like, my elevator pitch for why is the Vikings match up where they need too well. In the red zone, defensively, they're very good. Make Jimmy G drive the, the field. He'll make mistakes. Um, also, number one in the league, defending a tight end. You take Kittle out of that equation. Um, plus, I like their D-line a lot. Their D-line was dominant last week, and they're going to be proven the, the best D-line on the field. My bold prediction, though, is Anthony Harris pick six on Jimmy G. One bold pr- prediction per game. Oh, per game? Yeah. You don't have one. I thought we were doing one total. I can do one per game. Okay, cool. So I'll go. You have uh, 31-7 Niners. I have 25-22 Vikings. I think Anthony Harris uh, creates not only a big play, but it turns into points. Um, and I'm going to say no Kittle touchdowns. Okay, are you going with two two boldies there? You can, a, depending on how bold you want to be. Well, I'll piggyback on your bold prediction and say, despite going against number one D versus tight ends, Kittle over 100 yards receiving. Okay, 
I mean, if I'm if I'm saying thirty-one-seven, we got to get there somehow. Well, we could both be right. That's true. Yeah. Um, but not on that score. I like no. the Niners to roll. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Ravens. Twenty-nine, twenty-three is what I'm going with in Baltimore. Ravens twenty-seven, Titans ten. Golly, man! I hope you're wrong about these games. I got a blowout Saturday. I think the blowout comes on Sunday. Uh, do you have a bold prediction there, or should I give you some time? Kind of like when the the waiter comes with the the menu. You got or not with the menu? You guys ready to order? And everybody looks at each other. Yeah, why don't you order? Why don't first? you go? Why don't you make your bold prediction? Mine is that Derrick Henry runs over a defensive back so badly. It elicits memories of Greg Jones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who are ACC folks. Carolina. Uh, who did he run over? It was one. For those, pull up on your YouTubes. Uh, pull up on your YouTube devices. Greg Jones. It was Sean Taylor. No, it wasn't. Nice con attempt. Yeah. The first one that comes up is is Greg Jones Greg runs Jones over Sean like, Taylor. But I agree. That... Greg, doesn't make Greg sense. Jones was the hardest running dude. He became a fullback for Jacksonville. He played for Florida State. And he ran over, I think the guy's name was Dexter something. Dexter Reed. Dexter Reed. Uh, and he, man, it's one of the most violent. Now, it also will go to show you how much, you know, if you're looking that up on YouTube, how much the quality of football mm. film has changed. Yeah. I mean, that's some grainy shit. I'd almost rather watch the NFL films, black and white stuff. That was Raycom Sports, like... Doc Walker days. That's right. I'm Facebook friends with Doc Walker. Shout out to Doc Walker. Yeah, I like Doc. Um, I think he's going to knock somebody's helmet off their head this week. And I think if the Titans are smart, I mentioned this with Dave, they'll get out, they'll get Derek in, in space, um, and they will try to run guys over in that secondary who probably are less interested in tackling than they are in covering. Um, I also think topically... That he breaks the streak of uh, it's an interesting streak actually. Yes, or last week he had 35 carries. That that's the most uh, in the playoffs since um, Sean Alexander in 2004. Now the last four players in the wild card round that ran for 100 yards or ran for over 30 carries had 30 carries in a game. Did not run for 100 yards or have 25 carries the next week. So. If that trend, which I think makes sense, I mean, if you're going to tote the rock 35 times, you're probably not going to get it that many times. But he's so central to what they do, they're going to have to pound it. I think he he eclipses that 100-yard mark. So give me him knocking somebody's helmet off and running for a century. I think Mark Ingram is still questionable at the moment. Yes. I'm going to say he sits, and my bold prediction is that Gus Edwards wow. outrushes Derrick Henry and this 27-10 to 10 romp for the 14 and two Ravens a lot of Ghostbusters music and yeah Chiefs 31 Texans 19 Chiefs 30 Texans 27 Mm. Houston covers and has a shot okay my bold prediction is that Frank Clark has three sacks I said last week that was that yours as well? No, nah, my next, you'll see. I said that uh, Hughes was going to have a big day. I didn't lie about that. Hughes had three. He had a hat trick because of the way that uh, Deshaun was extending plays, and he will continue to do that. Um, 
at Arrowhead, though. This is where uh, Frank's going to make his money. My bold prediction is that Andy Reid's clock management is impeccable. Okay. That is bold. Like, just does everything. This is the year. Just as a 14-year-old Madden player yeah. would advise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and that sets up. Sunday. That well, Sunday that, that would set up Chiefs, Ravens. Yeah, that's just, what everybody wants. Whew. We could also have, what's the Super Bowl you least want to say? Okay, that would be Titans, for sure. Okay. And the oof, Vikings, I guess. I'll say Texans, Packers. I do not want to see that because I, I don't want to be wrong about the Packers. <laughs> For what? Rodgers, Watson, I'm in. You're in. I'd rather see chaos. I'd rather see Tannehill Cousins. Not a bad point. I'm a big chaos fan. Yep, that's a good point. Yeah. If you're going to give me chaos, give me off-brand chaos, not, holy shit, I thought that the Packers weren't that good and they're in the Super Bowl and the Texans are actually not that good and they're in the Super Bowl and Deshaun Watson's awesome. I'd rather see two guys that one was a backup in Miami and one was like, or he was a starter in Miami and the backup in Tennessee for half the year, and then one guy that uh, everybody hated a month ago. Um, So Hawks 23-20 to round out the weekend for me. I'm I'm doing weird scores this weekend. And I am picking with my heart on some of these games. Packers 20, Seahawks 10. I think the public is heavy on the Seahawks. Are they really? I'll check that out. They're smart. I think everyone's undervaluing number 12, who you've given an interesting nickname. A-Rod. Belongs to somebody else. Well, he's the best uh, A-Rod of all time. Bold prediction, which is why I gave you a look on your last one. Zadarius Smith, hat trick. No, I, I could. Is that even bold though? Because Russ has been sacked more than anybody in the league. Only once last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's bold. I think it's still bold. Any three sack game that you're predicting is bold. By the way, Zadarius Smith, is he the best non quarterback on that field? Player? Best yeah. player, non quarterback? Um, yeah. I think maybe so. so. Man, that guy this year was fun to watch. Some people get credit for making a lot of plays, sacks, rushers, you know, that type of thing. And when you look at the tape, it doesn't quite match up to the, the numbers, the pressures. This guy was a fucking wrecking ball. And head and shoulders above almost everybody else on the field defensively all year long. Didn't even get in the Pro Bowl, but uh, he should be in the DPOY conversation. Uh, he won't get it, but he meant a lot. LSU, Clemson. Let's mm. let's dip our toes in the college football, the dirty New Orleans college football. When are we heading scene. down there? Oh, when are we um, heading down there? Sunday. Okay. You want to go? Yeah. You can go. I can go. Yeah. I. Uh, but you got to do the thing called like plane ticket. Commit to going. Commit to going. Yeah, I'm gonna attend to business here on the home front. Yeah, you're gonna stay. And I'm gonna watch the ball game on the on the tube. I have a very unique opportunity to make some some cash. You know, the 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 the, the cash flow is not coming in the way it did when I was playing. So I do just about anything I can now to make some cash. Yeah. Um. And it's just unique. Uh, nothing is very unique or a little bit unique. Yeah. Just unique opportunity for you to 
make some cash. Absolutely, unique uh, chance to make some content with uh, RR and uh, Martin, Dan Katz, mm. um, Rosillo and Dan Katz, and Stanford Steve's gonna be down there. So we'll make some content. But what's gonna happen in the game? I say LSU thirty-seven, thirty-two. Okay, I got Clemson forty-one, LSU thirty-six. I would like that ACC, ACC. Yeah. I do. That number's at about 70. Yeah. I think it's over. I think yeah, it's, it's over. over. I think when I, g- I gave out the over for my Bet America pick this week with San Francisco, I also gave out Hawks. Uh, they'll cover. I'm much more confident in them covering than, than, than them winning. But yeah, that's up here, to four and a half. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Now, the Chiefs, um, I got them covering as well. The Titans, I got them covering. I have the Vikings covering as well. So we're, we're on. So three, I know we just did scores, but we're on the opposite of every single one of those games. Which it's going to be interesting. Which is neat. It is neato. And then my bold prediction for the national championship game is that Burrow throws a pick. You're not going to see that same like just tepid three man rush that you saw. Like nobody getting pressure. Last week was just or not, weeks ago. Um, was that last week? Well, no. God, it feels like a long time ago he torched them for seven touchdowns in the first half. So let's say it's January the 11th now. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. The Orange Bowl, I know, is on December the 30th. Yeah. And we rolled in to watch the ball games on the 28th. So yeah. it, was, it was 11 and 3 two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. We did it. I think Venables is going to bring a lot of heat, and I think Burrow's going to throw his first pick in a while. Okay, I'll say uh, the nation, those of you who aren't aware of Travis Etienne, you will be on Monday night, and uh, he wins the MVP. Golly, that's bold. Of the ball game. Yeah, that's bold. I mean, you're really sticking your neck out there. Hey, man, I know he's uh, one of the best players on one of the two teams playing. But he is electric. He's electric. You're doing a little Davo Sweeney thing. Hey, nobody respects Travis Etienne. Now, I don't, yeah. Hey, I'm not going to be upset if Coach O takes home the hardware. I think the Tigers win. Nice. Um, 58% of the public on the Seahawks right now. Wow. Usually I don't agree with uh, Joe Public, but today I'm with you. Real quick before we get out of here, because. Uh, well, first off, let me give you a couple trends here. Seven of eight clubs uh, weren't alive this time last year. So the parity in the NFL, P-A-R-I-T-Y, not O-D-Y. For some of you who aren't into spelling, I'm into spelling. Um, the parody is alive and well, especially juxtaposed mm-hmm. to <laughs> college football. He's heating up. Thunder Dan in the corner, NBA Jam, circa '96. You didn't need to explain the joke. Well, a lot. We have a lot of millennials, like like not like millennials like us, but younger millennials listen to our thing. I did a signing this week in Philly. A lot mm-hmm. of people listen to the show, so shout out to everybody who came to Men's Warehouse this weekend. It was also illuminating to realize that some older people listen to the show. Sorry for cussing. Hello. Children and adults alike. <laughs> Largest turnover ever under the current format. And I think it's about the quarterback changes, man. Like this crop getting older, people leaving the game. Like 
It's just we're in a really exciting time depending on what you make of it in pro football. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Speaking of the audience, do you want me to talk about that one tweet? Sure, I love that tweet. I couldn't really piece it together. Matt Fromm, thank you, maybe. I know Twitter is supposed to be a haven for toxic negativity, but I gotta say, your appearance, Macon Gunter, doesn't do justice for how spot-on perfect your vocals, your style, your delivery, and your chemistry with at Joel91 is on these highly addictive green like podcasts. Now, most of that is really nice. Um, what's wrong with my appearance now? What's his name? Jake Fromm? Matt Fromm. Perhaps brother of Jake. Hey. Also, my vocals. Awful. My no, style. No, 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 no. If I gave you a scouting report, great vocals. Okay. Somebody Go- on Twitter said they weren't, and I've really been you, here, here, let me Let it. me help you with this. People are always going to say mean things to you because they see you on YouTube. Okay. On their YouTube. Right. They want to be on their YouTube. And you are on their YouTube. People, they're haters, bro. Okay. Now, don't let the good stuff go to your head because there's plenty of it. I mean, I get a lot of, hey, making Gunner is great at this thing. Like, don't do that. Okay. You don't want to get complacent. We got a game to play next week and the next week. But also tune out the negativity. And Jake Fromm there. He speaks highly of the podcast and our chemistry, but my, my appearance doesn't do justice to all those things. As in like, I look awful. <laughs> I don't. That's why we got the pod. You know, and generally, I know you resent the fact that this is a TV show. I just think it's fascinating. Well, a lot of people watch, obviously, because some people are commenting on your appearance. Yeah, this but, is what I look like. Can't do much about it. Got, got, a, haircut. got a haircut. Got a haircut. Nice job. Trends, though, as they continue. Uh, I'll stay for those. Okay. Because uh, you know what? What? I came here to build a great team. Yeah, you did. But more importantly, I came here to build a program that lasts. And the way you go about that is you have great integrity <laughs> and you have great passion. <laughs> Anthony Guy Bennett, 2009. 10 years it. later, he wins a title. Yeah, so we might win a title in 10 years. Since 28 to 3, the average uh, margin in playoff games has been eight points. And four of the last seven playoff games have gone to OT. In this round? Period. Hmm. Is that true? Road teams are eight and six over the last 14. You cannot predict this stuff. I mean, it's just like, and then for the first time, two years in a row, we had two six seeds advance. So parity in the NFL is alive and well. Um, I was going to see if maybe I had uh, an inkling from you as where Brady might end up, but we're probably going to run out of time, huh? New England. I don't know about that. That's right. Four of the last seven because two in wildcard weekend and two of last year's conference championship games. Yep. Bam. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Yep. I mean, we can get into the Brady thing later. Um, you know, you, people talk about the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Colts, the, the Bears, Vegas, Dallas, Tennessee. You have anybody throwing the hat there? Nah, because he's posturing and showing that he's in charge and he needs more weapons and he's staying in Foxborough. Yeah. So he's hemming and hawing a little bit, but it's all for naught. Yeah. It's not all for naught. There's much to do about nothing. 
He's flexing. He's flexing, and he should. The GOAT should flex, can flex. I think if you're playing the field, again, check out the Dave Damashek pod uh, that we, we just did on Greenlight. Um, we talked about this. I think Miami is, is a good wild card, not as into the other places as some other people. Uh, we will see how the Brady thing shakes out. We will see on Saturday night um, for the uh, divisional round. We've Ravens, got Tennessee Titans. at Baltimore, and yep. that game is at what time, mate? Because you're better with the times. I want to say 8.15. You want to correct me? No, I don't need to correct you. Does anybody want to correct me? Okay, nobody wants to correct me. 8.15 it is. Y'all take care. Do you, do you want to do corrections today? We did it throughout the program. Yeah, you're right. Y'all take care. We'll see you uh, later tonight.